we've been talking about relationships, and the series is like, how do we grow healthy relationships? Because I think all of us want to have healthy relationships, and we need them in our lives. But I think if we're honest, if we were to just say, you know, in our own lives, we would say, uh, we have some relationships that are healthier than others, but some of them aren't quite as healthy. But in, in essence, we would essentially be, if we're going to be honest, we would say, the biggest problem that I have in my relationships is me. And if you're always thinking that the problem is with someone else in all your relationships, yeah, you might want to have somebody else. Well, you would probably say, well, you're wrong. But essentially, the problem is with us. And so we're going to talk about how can we be better in the relationships we're in. And so we talked about integrity two weeks ago. We said, are you a person that can be trusted? Do you keep your word? Do you tell the truth? Are you a person of honor? Would people say, because, you know, if you don't have trust in a relationship, it can only go so far. And then last week we talked about humility. Are you a person that's willing to humble yourself? Are you willing to uh, admit when you're wrong? Are you you willing to give up winning arguments? You know, I've I've dealt with couples sometimes, and it's just like they just, like, nobody wants to give in and lose an argument, you know? Or are you willing to accept responsibility when you're wrong and not to think, we said, remember we talked about being thinking too highly or too lowly of yourself? Because both are forms of pride. And then this weekend we want to talk about forgiveness. You know, if you're going to have any kind of relationship, there's going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be times where you're going to have to come to another person and you're going to have to either forgive them or you're going to have to, you're going to, have to try to find a way to reconcile with them or a, a way of forgiveness, a path of forgiveness. And uh, so that's really an important thing for maintenance and a repair of relationships. So my hope this weekend is we'll talk about it. And I think I struck a nerve because I've had a lot of people come up and talk to me and say, okay, what about this situation and what, you know, and, and, and that's good because I think this is, this is what we, we struggle with this. And this is not easy. And we're not going to solve everything here. And maybe I'll raise more questions, but I'll get you to think through it. If, if I get you to think through a couple of things here, I'll, get, I'll, I'll have you thinking that, uh, that, number one, forgiveness is not an option. And then number two, I'll give you a source of where you can find the way that you can find the strength to forgive other people when you've really been hurt. And, and, that, and that's all I hope to do this morning. But we'll talk a lot about it. We'll kind of hit on different issues, and I'm going to be all over the place. I've got really way, way, way too much material to cover in the time we have, so I'm going to kind of roll through it. It should be like a series for two months, but I'm not going to spend two months. I'm going to spend about 15, 20 minutes in it top. So here we go. Buckle up, all right? All right, so there's two passages in Matthew that talk about forgiveness. Matthew 5. And Matthew 5 lays out what we should do when you believe you've wronged someone else. So Jesus says that when you go to bring an offering and you remember you have something against another person, that you've offended, you've hurt another person, then you need to stop and you need to make that thing right. In Matthew 18, he gives us instruction, when you feel somebody has offended you, what do you do? Okay? And so those are the two, key, two of the key passages in Scripture to deal with this topic of forgiveness. But what does forgiveness mean? And here's where I'm going to kind of do kind of a shotgun approach and just kind of give you some basic ideas that are, I think are scriptural. There's no doubt they're scripturally. But they're not, they're not what we normally think about when we think about forgiveness. The first one is this. 
Forgiveness for Christians. And, and again, I have to put this disclaimer on. I'm talking to those of you that say, Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord. I, my desire is to follow Him. My desire is to, to give my life to Him because He gave His life to me. My life, is to, my life is about pleasing Him. I don't always accomplish that. I don't always try. But that's where I'm headed. That's the direction I'm headed. I'm on a journey with Jesus. Now, maybe you're not part of that you know, you wouldn't say that's, that's who I am. That wouldn't characterize you. But if you do say that, then the, this is for you. Forgiveness for the Christian is not an option. You know, it says in Colossians, Paul says in Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have with one another. God always holds us responsible to reach out and repair a damaged relationship. A Christian is responsible to forgive. It's not an option. I know we have. We've set options. We've set contingencies. We've set if, when, because, we'll forgive. But that's not in Scripture. I like how Tim Keller puts it. He says, Christians in community are never are to never give up on one another, never give up a relate, on a relationship, and never write another believer off. Have you ever done that before? Maybe somebody's done that with you. They've written you off. They said, you'll never amount to much. You'll never be this. You'll never do this. And you know what? You are. You, you have achieved that because God is working in your life, and God is changing you, and God is transforming you. If some of you were to raise your hands right now and say where you were five or ten years ago and what your spiritual state was, you might be a we might hear stories we say, oh, that can't be true. I know you. You're not anything like that. So let's not give up on one another. Forgiveness, though, for the Christian is not an option. Secondly, forgiveness is always your move. You know, so here's what we always think. We generally say, okay, I'm going to forgive them, but they have to come and ask for forgiveness, or they have to make the first move, or they have to show that they're, they're sorry about it or something. We put the onus on them. We say, unless they do something, we're under no obligation to forgive them. But the clear teaching of the Bible is that God requires forgiveness whether or not the offender has repented and asked for forgiveness. In fact, in short, what it means is, in short, it means it doesn't matter who started it. It's always your move. You always have the first move to forgive. Notice what Jesus says in Mark 11.25, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. Now, it doesn't say when he comes and asks for forgiveness, when he shows signs of repentance. It doesn't say that. It says just forgive. Just forgive. Forgiveness is always your move. Number three, forgiveness will always cost someone something. You know, the basic idea behind forgiveness is this. That there's a debt. And think about that. It makes a whole lot of sense. When somebody says something, they ruin your reputation, or they gossip about you, or they do something, physically harm you, or, you know, do something, they abuse you of some sort, and they've done that. You, you, you basically feel, you say, you need to make this right. You, you hurt me. You did this. You did this. What are you going to do to make it right? You know, the old illustration I've used is if you were to get a brand new car and I, I say, hey, that's a great car. Can I take it for a ride? And you go, okay, be careful. And I don't. I mean, I take it out and I'm not careful. Like I'm like ramming it around. There's a couple broken windows. There's dents all over it. Scratches. I mean, it's just destroyed. And I bring it back and I go, that was a great car. I mean, literally was a great car. And I throw you the keys 
Unless you're passive-aggressive and you start crying and get angry and plot my murder later on, you're probably going to say, no, 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 wait a minute here, wait a minute here. That was a brand new car. You destroyed it. Who's going to pay for this, right? And that's the idea behind forgiveness, that there's always a debt. Someone has to pay the debt. Now, what we tend to do with people is we say, well, you're going to pay the debt. Believe me, you're going to pay the debt. We yell at them. Maybe we'll, we'll make them feel bad. We'll play guilt trip with them. Uh, or we'll just pray for their dis- demise or hope for their demise and say, God, I don't want to tell you what to do, but if there's a, you know, an accident or something bad happens, I won't, won't stop you. you. You know, you understand what I'm saying. And only when we see them suffer enough will we say, okay, I guess that's enough. The point I want you to see, and we'll talk more about this in a minute, is forgiveness always costs somebody something. Always. And then our forgiveness is directly tied. This is, of all the things, now so far, I probably, everything I've said so far, you go, well, I don't like that, and I don't really like that, and I don't really like that. You're really not going to like this one. Absolutely not going to like this one. Our forgiveness is directly tied to our forgiveness of others. How many of you have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Just throw your hand up real quick. Come on, a lot of people. Just about everybody in this room has probably done this. Do you know what it says in the Lord's Prayer? Here's what it says. Matthew 6. Forgive us our debts as we have also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do you realize what you're saying in the Lord's Prayer every time you pray it? You're saying, God, I want you to forgive me because I need to be forgiven. Here's how I want you to forgive me. I want you to forgive me in the same way that I am currently forgiving others. Now, I don't want that. I'm not interested in God forgiving me in the same way that I'm forgiving people. I want God to forgive me the way He forgives. Not the way I forgive But that's what the prayer is saying. The prayer is saying, God, you please forgive me in the same way that I forgive others. Jesus goes on to say in Luke 6, he says, if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. So your forgiveness is directly tied to whether you're willing to forgive others. Jesus says, if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Matthew 6.15. Here's the point that Jesus is saying. is If you need forgiveness... Forgive. If you don't need it, don't worry about it. But there's not a person in this room that doesn't need forgiveness. We all need it. Now, that should be enough. We should be able to just close our Bibles and say, okay, we're done. We know we need to forgive. Let's sing a song. Let's walk out and let's start forgiving everyone. You know? And it should be that there's more. Forgiveness requires us to speak out and refrain from inner bitterness. Paul tells us in Ephesians, it's a great phrase and it's hard to balance. He says it's important for us, it's critical for us as Christians to speak the truth in love. And what that means is to say the right thing at the right time in the right way. And that's a hard thing to do, especially when you're upset, and especially when you've been hurt. And Jesus says in Luke 7, 3, Jesus said that there were to rebuke the wrongdoer and if he repents, forgive him. Now he's telling us, he's telling us, this is so interesting to me because as I was studying, I was thinking about this, we do this exactly the opposite. Think about this. When somebody offends you, they say something, they do something, what do we do? Do we say, okay, stop right there. I need to talk to you about 
and we go to this person and say, you know, you did this, you said this, I just need to tell you how I'm feeling when you said this, when you did this, it made me feel this way. Do we do that? No. What we do generally is somebody says somebody, somebody, somebody does something to hurt us. And what do we do? We, we, we say, let me tell you what such and such did. We get a little posse, right? We get all our friends together and say, do you think that was right? I don't think that was right. No, of course that wasn't right. Why would anybody do that? There's, you know, I've never liked them. You know, and we get this thing, this little gossipy thing going on. Now, we've not talked to the person that said or done. We've not said a word to them, but we said a whole bunch of other people. Oh, they don't like them. They've got a problem going on. It's, it's not good. You know, they know all about it and we've never forgiven the person. And inside, what do we do? We get angry where we ever see the person. We just get bitter and we get a root of bitterness. We get a, You know, the Bible talks about a root of bitterness. So we do exactly what the Scripture says. What does Scripture say to do? When somebody offends you, when somebody does something to hurt you, you need to forgive them inside. You need to let them off the hook. You need to tell, you know, essentially say, God, I forgive them. You may not say another word to them. You may not say to them, I forgive you. Have you ever walked up to somebody and say, I forgive you for what you did? And they go, what? I didn't do anything. What are you talking about? You know, it's like, you know. But, but here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to forgive inside sincerely. And we're supposed to go to them and say to them, you offended me. You hurt me. You, you damaged my reputation, whatever. We, we do it exactly the opposite. We never go to them, but we hold it inside, Right? We tell other people, but we never tell them, and we never we hold it inside and become bitter rather than releasing it and forgiving. We do it exact, exactly the opposite of how we're instructed in Scripture to do it. What I'm saying here is that we're deeply to, we're to deeply forgive on the inside, so we don't develop a root of bitterness towards the other person. We do this by speaking openly and honestly, in love to the other person with a desire that that person will take responsibility and uh, come, come, you know, re, re, revolve, resolve their bad behavior. The next one is forgiveness may require us to overlook an offense. Peter says in this in 1 Peter 4, 8, love covers a multitude of sins. Um, can I say this without you being offended? And if you are, you can hold it and become bitter and talk to everybody else about it. And, some of you are very thin-skinned, and people say things and they do things, and you just need to let it go. You're too sensitive. There are some things that people say and do, you ought to just let it go. You have to let it go. Now, as I just said, there's some things you can't let go. Now, some of you are very passive, you're very quiet, you're very mild-mannered, and when somebody says something or something, you say, oh, I like that one, I just let it go. And you're little, now you're piling this rug up of anger against all these people because you just let it go, let it go, let it go, and let it go until you, you know, you're going to blow up. And, and, and so you, you like this one, let it go, let it go, let it go, because it's hard for you to step up. and It is really hard, isn't it, to step up to a person that's offended you or said they've done something and say, hey, I just want to tell you, you said this to me, you did this, and it really hurt me, and it, 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 I just want, I want to process it with you. I want to make sure that we, we can resolve this. That's really hard. It's easier just to let it go or tell someone else about it and just say, okay, I feel better. I talked to someone else, but I didn't talk to them about it. So here's the balance. The balance is that some things you just need to let go because they're not big enough to bring up, and you just need to forgive them, and you need to just move on. Some of you are too thin-skinned. And everything that and people give you a look, they don't give you a look and you're offended. You, you're all upset. So some of, sometimes you just need to let it go, but other times you need to step up 
So maybe you're the person who lets it go all the time and you need to step out and step up and say, hey, you know, come on, i got to do this. Forgiveness doesn't always result in reconciliation. You know, God knows that there's some people that simply won't let you pursue peace with them. We're called to do our part. We're, never to, we're always called to keep our door of reconciliation open. But not, and by the way, for, forgiveness and reconciliation aren't the same thing. There are people that you will never be reconciled to because they will not allow it. And that's why, that's why Paul says in Romans, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Well, there, that means, and I, I'll, I'll say this right now, there are people right now that I can't live with peace. I can't live at peace with. And there are other Christians I can't live at peace with. Why? Because their door is closed. My door is open, but they don't want... They, they, there's issues, and I can't bridge that gap. And all I'm saying to you is, are you closing the door on some potential reconciliation you've forgiven them your door is open but they have you know just make sure your door isn't closed and by the way there are situations for reconciliation that will never happen think about this um if you were if you were raised in a home that was just very very abusive and you just have really hard feelings towards your parents um and they're dead and you've just come become a christian and you say well well you're never going to reconcile with them right they're dead you can forgive them. Forgiveness has to do with you. Reconciliation brings another person into the equation. You may not always have reconciliation with everyone, but you can always forgive. You can always do that because that deals with you. Okay? Um, so, here's, so, so, so now if I've stirred the water enough and raised enough questions and for situations and all that, the point I want you to see is very simply this. Forgiveness for the Christian is not an option. And there's a proper way to do it. And we need to do it if we want forgiveness in our life. Okay? Now let me give you one of the greatest motivators. The Lord, you know, in the last five or six years, has kind of been working on my heart in this passage. And it's just just such an incredible passage. So Peter comes to Jesus. It's Matthew 18. Peter comes to Jesus and he says, Peter was this great guy. I mean, I love Peter. He he like... um, you ever have a kid in class that asked a question and your first thought was, well, that was a dumb question. And it was like, really dumb. Why would you ask that? The teacher's going to go crazy on this one. I mean, just, just going to say, what, are you an idiot? Why would you ask that? You know, and they say there's no dumb questions. Well, the teacher in this would make an exception and say, well, that's a dumb question, you know. But, you're, but, but at the same side, you, so you have a two-sided reaction. The first side is, oh, that's a dumb question. And you go, man, I'm glad he asked it. What's he going to say? You know, and so... Peter does that here. He, does, he says, okay, so how many times? How many times do we have to forgive? Like seven? I mean, that's a lot. And Jesus goes, no, 70 times seven. And then he tells this story, and that's what we want to look at. This story, I mean, if you read through the story, you go, ah, I don't know what he's talking about here, but it's, it's so rich. So uh, Matthew chapter 18, let me just... Uh, Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants uh, who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so the master ordered him to be sold along with his wife's children and everything he owned to pay the debt. If you're a detail person, don't get caught up in, well, why are they throwing the children in prison? Okay. Just stick with the big picture here. The point is, he had a debt, 
He couldn't pay it. The king is going to judge him. That's all you need to understand. But the man fell down before his master and begged, Please, be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him. He released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for him begged for a little more time. Be patient with me. I will pay it, he pleaded. But the creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison and to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from the heart. Two things I want to say from this passage. The first one is this. We forgive in the way we've been forgiven. And what I mean by that is this. The story is told about a man, and his debt is unpayable. There's, he could work for the rest of his life, and he'll never pay this debt. And he begs for mercy, and he gets mercy, right? And it seems as though, as you read the story, he leaves this place and immediately finds the first person that owes him money, grabs him by the neck, and begins to demand payment for an offense, a debt, which was very, very minor compared to the debt that he was just forgiven. I mean, think about this. Most of us, I think, have debt. Whether it's a mortgage and a house, car payments, school loan payments, whatever it is. Let's just say on Monday, that let's say you owed $100,000. Okay? You say, well, I wish. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, but let's say you owed $100,000 to the bank. Okay? And, and on Monday you get, a, you get a letter from the bank, and the bank says, you had a debt of $101,750,000.28. That debt has been forgiven completely. Okay? You go, are you kidding me? Call the bank. Yeah, that's true. It's gone. You're like... Amazing. Crazy good. So you basically go out to lunch and you find this guy that owes you a hundred bucks. And you say, You owe me a hundred bucks. When are you gonna pay me? I mean, can you pay me now? Because I I mean, you owe me a hundred dollars. Now, if somebody was watching this, they would go. What's wrong with you? Seriously, what is wrong with you? Have you not understood what you just were forgiven? Because you, if you obviously don't, because you were just forgiven over $100,000, and here you are giving this guy a hard time for $100. You, are you kidding me? And essentially, that's what the parable is saying. 
until you come to a place where you understand how much your debt was, that it was so great that you'll never pay it back, that the King of kings and Lord of lords got off of his throne and came to earth and climbed up on a cross for you to pay your debt. He willingly paid your debt. His last words were, it is finished. Paid in full. And somebody offends you. Somebody does something. And, and I understand there can be deep abuse in families. And I get all that. I get all that. But you understand the premise here. The premise is if you don't ever come to a place of understanding how much you've been forgiven by Him, you'll never come to a place where you're going to be able to forgive other people. And their offense to you is minuscule compared to the offense that you have brought to God. If you fail to forgive, you've either forgotten your forgiveness or you've never experienced it. But when you see the magnitude of your debt, every sin committed against you by others is small. I challenge you that if you're struggling with forgiveness today, take a trip, take multiple trips to the cross and gaze up at Jesus who gave Himself for you, the King of Kings, who gave Himself to be mocked and brutalized and executed as a criminal so that you could have your sin debt forgiven completely. The second thing we learn from this is, and we talked about it a little bit, we need to remember the incredible price that was paid. And like I said before, when there is a debt, somebody has to pay the debt. And Jesus came and paid the debt completely. He chose to lose it all. Jesus took our debt, all of it on the cross. He allowed our debt to crush Him. He paid our debt in full. He paid a debt that we could never And I'm amazed because there are people who are good people in this community and all across America and around the world that are working very hard to try to pay their debt. They're saying, well, I go to church, or I was raised in a Christian family, or I believe in God, or I do good works, or I give my money, or I give my time. And, And what they're essentially saying is, I'm working off my debt. I'm going to work hard. And I just want to say, your debt is beyond your works. It is beyond, you can never do enough. You will never do enough. You are in so deep. Some people think they're going to walk up to God one day and they're going to say, God, look at what I've done for you. And they're going to have a resume and they're going to say, this is a, this is a great resume. And, and, and they expect God to be sitting at the gate saying, this is good. Whoa, yeah, I remember that. That was great. Listen, why are we even quibbling over this? Get in here. Of course you have a place here. You've done so much. The Bible says in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, many will come to me that day. And they will say, we cast out demons in your name. We did this in your name. We did this. We did this. We did this. And Jesus will say, depart from me. I don't know you. See, until you come to the place where you understand you were, you were drowning in a sea of sin and you were helpless and hopeless, and that unless somebody comes and saves you, heaven comes down to earth and saves your soul and forgives your debt, you are in terrible trouble. 
beyond your wildest imagination until you come to that place and you understand the full weight of your sin, the full weight of your debt, and you understand it's been forgiven in a moment at the cross when Jesus says, it is finished. When you called upon the Lord, your sins are gone. The Bible says as far as from the east is from the west. When you begin to understand and meditate upon that, when, when you have another offense, when somebody says or does something, you say, so what? Okay, how do we apply, and I've got to close real quick here. How do we apply this forgiveness to our relationships? How do we do it? I, give you, I, I have four things. They're not in your notes. You may want to write them down. I hope they're, they're, they may be helpful to you. Forgive first. Forgive first. Even if they don't repent, even if they don't deserve it, even if they don't make the first move, the first move is always yours. Don't wait for them. You can forgive. If there's somebody you haven't forgiven because you're waiting for them to make the first move, what are you waiting for? Forgive them. Forgiveness is always on you. It's never an option. And it's always the first move. You have to. You must. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you must forgive. It's just that simple. Let's, let's stop putting disclaimers in and all these things in. Forgiveness lies upon... If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, if you need forgiveness, it is on you to forgive. There's no options there. There's no options there. Now... I know I have to qualify a whole bunch of things because, and, and I'll do that in a minute, but I won't do a whole bunch of things, but I'll do a few things. Forgive completely. Forgive as you would want to be forgiven. Forgiveness may not lead to reconciliation and it may not lead to trust. But the point is, you forgive as you would want to be forgiven. Don't say, I'll forgive you if, or I'll forgive you when. Just say, I'm just going to forgive you. You don't deserve it doesn't matter because that's not why I'm forgiving you. I'm just going to forgive you because I need to let you out of my head and out of my heart and the bitterness that it's, I need to let it go. And I may, I may bring I may come to you to seek reconciliation. I may, it may be an offense that I'll just let it go, overlook it. But the bottom line is I'm going to forgive you. Now, I, I want to say this. Forgiveness is not the same as trust. In a marriage relationship, if you've been married for my wife and I, Carol, will be 32 years this summer. And we have a, a, a tremendous trust bank. And, and that's what I think you see trust is. It, trust is like a, 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 a bank account. And you make deposits little by little by little until that account gets pretty, you know, it can, it can get pretty, you know, hefty. I mean, that trust is pretty high. But if there's an affair, if there's a breach of trust, I mean, a major breach of trust, that account can go from this to nothing. And I can forgive, or she could forgive, or, you know, if you're involved in, in a relationship where, where one party has breached trust, there's been an affair or something, you can forgive that person immediately, but that's not the same as trusting them. Trust has to be re-earned. You have to, continue, you have to start making new deposits to build up trust again. That bank is gone, man. That, that ship has sailed. And so, in a sense... If you're going to build trust up, that has to be earned little by little by little with transparency and all those different things that go on. And you may never get to that level again, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about that. It's kind of related, but it's not the same. Because some of you say, well, does that mean that I have to trust them? Forgiveness and trust are kind of tied together, but that doesn't, they're not equal. And it doesn't mean you completely trust that person. I think that kind of would be foolish. I think they have to build that trust again. So when you think of forgiveness, 
Understand that it may, and again, I already said, it may not lead, forgiveness may not lead to reconciliation. If the other person is dead or their door is closed, then you can only do so much. Do what you can. Forgive richly. Don't be a stingy forgiver. Remember how God richly forgave you. He gave His Son. Jesus gave His life for you. He gave the, God and heaven gave everything for you. Don't be stingy about it. Don't, don't, uh, Require them to beg or to crawl or hold it over them or keep bringing it up. The Bible says that when we confess our sins, God forgives us and buries them as far as the east is from the west. I don't know how far that is. It doesn't even make sense to me. It's just gone. I'm so glad God doesn't, you know, when I, when I sin and I ask for forgiveness, God says, you know, you know, Matt, that's like the third time this month. Is there going to be a fourth? Because I'm kind of teetering on not forgiving you if you're going to do... You know, now I know, don't go into this, God knows everything, I get that. But you just stick with me. So forgive richly and then forgive thankfully. Allow the attitude of thankfulness to be a reflection of your gratitude to God for His incredible forgiveness, grace, and mercy. In other words, what I'm saying is, one of the most powerful motivators in my life to forgive people is how grateful and how thankful I am that I've been forgiven by Him. And when I start to reflect upon the cross and I start to reflect upon the forgiveness that I have because of what Jesus did for me, I look at people in a different light. And I can say, well, they don't deserve it. I go, neither did I. Well, they, I don't know if they're going to keep their word. I sure didn't. Can I trust them? I don't know if I'm trustworthy completely. You see, but God forgives me anyway completely, richly. And when I look to Him, I say, God, I'm going to forgive this person so that I can set myself free, so I can set the other person free. But I'm going to do it because You forgave me. And I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. Forgiven people, when they understand the gravity of how much they've been forgiven, the debt that was owed to them. That's what this parable is saying. How much different would this parable be that the man left that room and he walked up to every person that owed him. He says, you owe me a hundred. Don't worry about it. You owe me this. Don't worry about it. You owe me. It would be a different story. I'm afraid the Christian church, maybe my life, reflects the way the parable is played out more than the way it could be. May God help us to be forgiving in our relationships. Because we've been forgiven by Him. Amen? Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, this is not something we can do on our own or manufacture or just kind of be uh, work harder at unless Your Spirit is working in our hearts, unless our hearts are broken by what we reflect upon on the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus. And our deep depth will never come to a place of understanding what forgiveness really can be and should be in our lives. But thank You, Father, that You do a work in our hearts and You can do a work in our lives and You can show us just what forgiveness means. May we get a grasp of the incredible... Father, it's amazing too, as I think about it, that You loved us before we loved You. Forgiveness was in Your heart before we even thought about it. We weren't coming to You. We weren't looking for You. You forgave us before we even knew we needed it. And, and there are some people in our lives, Father, that don't even know they offended us maybe or 
are never going to turn and repent and they're never going to come and say, I'm sorry. But neither did we. You forgave us before that when Jesus gave Himself on the cross. So may we, Father, forgive as we have been forgiven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.